Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to everything Southampton Football Club. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, and I have the two Jacks with me today, reviewing a 1-1 draw at home to Chelsea on Saturday. Jack Serlis first, how are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Busy weekend. Just moved into a new flat in London, so I was happy to get a point against Chelsea yesterday. <laughs> it was a bit of a positive because I was a bit dreading that. I've actually moved in with a Chelsea fan, so Ooh. decent result. Ooh, yeah, no, that is, that is, um, could have, could have been a recipe for uh, an awkward first weekend. But uh, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Mason, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. Very well. I was just thinking that must have tested the relationship early doors, Jack. That must have. <laughs> it did, mate. Honestly, I was moving yesterday morning thinking if we get four, five, one here today, I might move straight out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Don't unpack anything. Just yeah, yet. <laughs> that's what I was waiting. I was waiting. So thankfully the boys put in a decent result. Decent shift. Absolutely. So yeah, as mentioned, we played a league game and we didn't lose, which is which, make, which makes a change. After a club record, six consecutive defeats, I'll be honest, I wasn't hugely optimistic for the visit of Thomas Tuchel's resurgent Chelsea. But I was left quietly impressed by our display. Of course, it wouldn't be Saints if we didn't throw away points from winning position death taxes and going 1-0 up before half-time. Minamino scoring his second since joining us last month. An absolute beauty too. Before another penalty, this time conceded, unfortunately, by Danny Ings, allowed Mason Mount to level things up shortly after half-time. From there, it was going to go one of two ways, really. The most likely outcome, for me at least, was we'd fold like a piece of cheap origami, as we have had, as we have done in the past against Wolves last week, last weekend. And on countless occasions this season already, Arsenal, Spurs, Man United at home, Newcastle away recently. But to my surprise, we did okay and earned a pretty important point. As Ralph said after the game, a draw that feels like a win, taking us to 30 points for the season. After being stuck on 29 since January 4th, it feels good. Mainstone, I'll ask you first, what did you make of the overall performance on Saturday? I think it was exactly what was needed apart from obviously it being three points, but it was exactly what we were looking for yesterday, a bit of defensive resilience. Um, it's been needed for a good few weeks now. Um, and it, it wasn't a vintage Southampton display for what we're used to over the past 18 months. It certainly took a back seat, our pressing play and our forward thinking mentality. Um, but I think playing against a very well-coached new Chelsea side. I think it was the only thing that we could have respectively done to get anything out of the game yesterday, considering who we were missing. Um, and I thought we dealt with it, dealt with them quite well, dealt with the threats that they posed in terms of allowing them to have the ball, but really um, keeping them down in terms of clear-cut opportunities. We loaded our, our box with defenders, um, defended well. Um, everyone across the, the back three, the back five, the back four, whatever you want to call it, um, was was really good and a special shout out for um, Salusa yesterday. Um, first Premier League start to put in that sort of performance for a 21-year-old only playing his second um, proper men's top flight football um, season. I thought it was absolutely outstanding, defended really well. I think, yeah, I mean, I was, I was eagerly anticipating the team sheet and I have to say I was a little surprised when I woke up and saw it. Kane Ramsey obviously not ready at right back. So Ralph went with Jan Bednarak uh, with as you said, Mohamed Salasu making his first Premier League start. Jack, you were impressed by his performance in the FA Cup against Wolves. He was thrown into the mix due to injury in the league, but this was his first proper taste of Premier League football from the start. Mainstone, you were left impressed. Jack, what did you make of his performance? Really, really good. He got man of the match here in the UK on BT. I think it 
potentially could have gone to Gineppo because I thought he was top draw, probably go on to him in a bit. But on Salisir, I think so, so exciting to see him finally play for Southampton. As Mainstone said, only 21 years of age. And if, you, if you're thinking about an ideal centre-back, you, you look at the top centre-backs in world football and what they've, what they've got, you know, good on the ball, composed, got the physical attributes that they can deal with those kind of recovery runs playing against the quick strikers like Timo Werner. And he kind of ticks all those boxes and it is early doors and you don't want to get too excited, but you know, there are small mistakes in his game, but that's obviously going to happen. Like Mainstone said, it's his, he's very, very new into senior football and second Premier League game. I think massive, massive excitement should be, should be around Saints fans at the moment because I think the only way is up. And uh, I, I, spend a lot of time on social media and maybe read into it a bit bit too much potentially. But I think he seems to be gelling with the squad a little bit more. So I, I follow him obviously in social media and not many players followed him in the in the first few months when he when he signed. And there wasn't really much engagement when he was posting photos. And it felt like he was almost like a signing that was maybe with the under 23s, under 21s getting up to speed. But he's playing now and you see him posted a photo yesterday and all the players like Redmond, Ings and that commenting on it. And I think he's really gelling with the team and getting to know the players a bit more, which is only going to help his game. So really, really positive. Yeah, well well worth the wait, I think, considering how long we had to wait to see him in a Saints shirt. I'd like to say actually that our summer business is looking very, very good. Yeah. I sent a tweet out yesterday, but Salasu, 21 years old, about £12 million. Diallo, 20, 21 years old, a similar fee and then obviously you've got Kyle Walker-Peters as well 23 years old they are three very very good young players and I've given the club a lot of stick for some of our recruitment um, in the last five years or so but those early days but those three signings look very very exciting um, did we like the defensive setup on Saturday uh, we looked pretty crap against Newcastle a little bit better against Wolves in the FA Cup okay in the league but much more solid, as you said, Mainstone. Um, in the past, we folded. When Mason Mount's penalty went in, I feared that was going to happen again. It didn't. And even in the first half, when Chelsea had about 71, 72% possession, as you said, we looked much more solid. What do you think was the difference on Saturday versus what we'd seen against the likes of Newcastle? I think we played a lot deeper. Um, there was a lot less pressing from... Um, the front players in terms of the front four, the two strikers and the two attacker midfielders if we were doing the 4-2-2-2. A um, lot of less starting pressure higher up the pitch. It was kind of like we sat in. Um, it was a bit... I thought they took about 10-15 minutes to get into the swing of things. Um, Alonso was getting a lot of joy early on um, and I could sense that it was only going to be a matter of time before they, before they scored and then I could only really see the floodgates opening if they got an early goal. But the more we grew into the game and the more the defence stayed solid um, and kept Chelsea at bay, we seemed to grow with confidence as the game went on. And then the last 15, 20 minutes, I felt quite comfortable in terms of the fact that we would hold the lead. Um, when on other occasions, I think if we had been playing more on the front foot, then holding on to a lead is probably not as confident, which um, shadows in the fact that we've dropped so many points from winning positions. There was some talk... Um about whether it was a 4-2-2-2 or a 3-4-3. Um, myself, watching the game, I saw it as, as a four at the back um, with Bednarak at right back, um, Salasu and Vestigard in the middle and Bertrand at left back. But I understand because Gineppo was coming very, very deep. He was helping out 
Um, especially after that, that kind of first 10 minutes where it was a little, we looked a little bit shaky, but after that, we seemed to settle into the system. And Gineppo um, was playing in that number 10 position, but was playing very centrally and was coming um, back and kind of doubling up for, for Benarak quite often. Um, that meant that we didn't have our first touch in the Chelsea box until 33 minutes. And that touch turned into a goal from Minamino. Um, against the run of play, I think it's fair to say, Jack, um, but what a finish. Ridiculous finish. Sat down, I think it was Aspilicueta and Mendy, wasn't it? And that's the kind of composure that you want when you're bringing in players from from these top clubs. They've obviously got that added bit of quality where you know some other players in the team might have got their head down and just struck through the ball and hoped for the best. But he's just got that bit of composure, sat down the defenders. Danny Ings is screaming for it, for him to square it, but amazing finish. Um, I think a shout out for Nathan Redmond too. Great bit of play. I think he played a one-two of Oriol Romeo and he picked that pass. The Chelsea defence was wide open, but he picked that pass brilliantly. Um, and yeah, quality from Minamino. I think it's interesting. Liverpool fans, you know, you see a lot of them on social media, especially after their result yesterday, thinking, why are we bringing on Divock Origi and Jordan Shakiri? You know, we're not making any effect. And there's Hampton that scored two in three games. So... They're looking at him thinking that he should be should be still there, I think. And we have got a great player on our hands. But what I would say about Minamino is on on the face of it, two goals in three games does look brilliant. And I do think he has added a bit of quality in that final third. However, I think there is a lot to improve and a lot, you know, I don't think he's fully got used to our system yet and the way we play. And, you know, Klopp calls him a long-term project. I think Hassan has been you know, fairly critical in the way that he talks about him saying that brilliant with the ball, but against the ball, he has a lot to learn. So I think he's only going to get better in this, this um, second half of the season. It was great to see him tap the badge, wasn't it? So maybe he doesn't want to stay on the South coast. I think it's um, for, for me, like it, there was, it was sloppy at times. It was sloppy for the whole team at times. Like we re- especially in that first half, we really, really struggled to keep hold of the ball. Um, and that went for, for everyone from Ings to Minamino to Redmond to Romeo to Ward Prowse, we just struggled in possession generally. And they did have like Chelsea had something like 75% possession. What I really, really like is in that number 10 position, having that finishing ability. Yeah. Um, it's just, he just looks like a clinical, clinical finisher when he gets those opportunities. The goal against Newcastle was special. And then he follows that up with another. Um, I thought the chance had gone, to be honest. I haven't seen a lot of him play. But when he went through and he was taking that extra touch, I was like, oh, you have that split second where you think to shoot. But he had so much composure there just to put the keeper on the floor and, and tuck it away. Um, we've already mentioned Gineppo, um very, very briefly, but I wanted to have a, a little bit more of an extended chat because um, first half, second half, no Stuart Armstrong in the team due to injury. Well, not. I think he is going to make... Leeds on Tuesday but Gineppo one of his best matches in a Saints shirt Mason what impressed you most about his performance I'm, I'm going to be honest here about Gineppo um, he's so frustrating to watch um, he's got he's clearly you watch yesterday's game and a few games he's gone in the past especially really early on in his Southampton career you can see he's got absolutely bags of ability and potential in there um, getting it out is uh, easier said than done, um, as we've all been witnessing recently. But I think he's at a crossroads, really, in his Southampton career already, because I think he's struggling to nail down what position 
that he really really fits best in. Um, if it was, again, we spoke about it, if it was um, a right wing back role for him yesterday, I think that sort of role could end up suiting him because he's so good on the dribble and he's so good beating players one-on-one. And like we saw yesterday, he's got an absolute engine on him. He was phenomenal. He was up and down. He was throwing himself into tackles. Um, we know he's that's not the strongest side of his game, but yesterday he actually defended really well and made a, a couple of really good sliding tackles. Um, and he's got, like we saw with about, I think it was 20 minutes to go, he had about five Chelsea players around him just inside our half. And all of a sudden, in the space of two seconds, he had beaten all five of them, won a free kick and beaten another player on the halfway line, which soaked up another two minutes for us, which sums him up, really. I thought he was... Really, really good. Um, again, still really raw, but loads and loads of potential. I think, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm not sure if our system, the 4-2-2-2, suits him as mm-hmm. a player. I think, obviously, that's the way we play and that's where we get success. And players like Stuart Armstrong is absolutely perfect for that. And Minamino looks like he's perfect for that. But Musa Gineppo maybe would get more success in a team that plays like a 4-3-3 and he's got very limited defensive responsibilities and he's just got chalk on his boots and he's on the left wing and all he's got to do is just take the full back on. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in in our system where he's asked to put so much pressure on the on the attack on the defense, sorry, and he's got a lot of lot of different responsibilities. I think I agree with Mainstone. He hasn't really nailed down a spot and I'm just not sure if his attributes massively suit that that position we've seen flashes of brilliance from him but it has been few and far between I, I have felt sorry for him in recent weeks because I think he has been asked to fill in at right back and mm-hmm. fill in here and fill in there and it's so difficult for a player that's 22 to do that but yeah I mean he just needs to find that position and really nail it down with a string of three or four games where he pops up with a goal or an assist and that's when we can really start you know given in the, the starting position, but as of yet, not just yet. I um, to continue on a theme um, with, with our kind of forward players. I wasn't surprised to see Redmond keep his place uh, with Danny Ings up front. Obviously, Che Adams on the bench again. Um, there was flashes from Redmond against Wolves, I think, of what Ralph is trying to achieve with him there. And with Adams not scoring, he's probably thinking, why not? Why not mix it up up front? Um, as you said, Jack, Redmond got the assist on Saturday. Exactly why he's in the team for that kind of dropping a little bit deeper and and creating something again on the same theme as Gineppo. Incredibly frustrating. We don't need to talk too much about Redmond. We've we've spoken about him enough. But did did you like the partnership enough to want to see it again? Or do you think that maybe Leeds he'll rotate because the game comes so soon? But did you like the the Redmond Ings partnership enough that you think this is a viable option going forwards now, and you think that Redmond even could overtake Adams as as Ings' partner? I personally don't think it's a long term option. I think he's definitely in there at the moment because Shea Adams is on an awful run; he's can't hit a barn door, and I think he's just thinking, like you said, why not change it up because we've got a striker that's not scoring at the moment, but I don't think Redmond is our long-term option. And I'd like to see Shea Adams come back into the team. Not sure against Leeds because I think Redmond's done okay. And I think if, if he is fit to play, why not? Why not keep him there? But hopefully in the next few games, Shea Adams will get a few more minutes and just hit the back of the net. That's all I want. Do you think, Mainstone, that Ralph has potentially lost patience with, with Shea again? Um, his first season... Yeah, he, he, he think, got he got he got a run in the team, didn't he? He didn't mm. score, and eventually 
he got benched and we didn't see him again really until Project Restart when he started scoring again. He scored again to start the season and then it's kind of the same pattern. He had a couple of goals early on. I think he's got four in the Premier League. But then now he scored one goal in his last 15 Premier League games. That came against Sheffield United in the 3-0 win in December. That run includes 12 starts, just three off the bench. So it's not like he's not been getting the opportunities and he's only getting 10 minutes, 15 minutes here and there. He's had a lot of starts um, over the last couple of months. He's just scored one goal. Three of the last five games, he's come off the bench, though. And I'm just thinking, is it? are we seeing a repeat of last season? I think he's. there's a little bit of me which thinks that he's potentially been taken out of the firing line for a little bit. Just being like, look, we know what you're about. You had a really good end to last season. He started this season really well. Um, and even when he stopped scoring goals at the start of this season, his performances were still really, really good. I remember all of us saying on the pod how well his link-up plays come on and his teamwork and his work ethic is absolutely spot on. And I think he's a really, really good footballer. Um, he just seems to not really get the rub of the green in front of goal at the moment. And he does snatch at chances. Um when it comes to it, he's a very head down, shoot kind of finisher. He's not kind of take your time and find your corner um, striker. I think he's probably been taken out of the limelight for a bit of rest because he has played a lot of football. Because I think when Ings was injured and we had all those other injury problems, he was really consistent mainstay of the team in the starting eleven. So I think he's probably having a little bit of a rest. Um, and I don't mind Redmond up there, to be fair. I, I think he's less, less frustrating than he is out wide. Um, I think as as a forward line, you can get away with trying to beat your man more and maybe not coming a, not coming across with it. Um, it's a little bit more easier to get away with than than as wide too. Um, so I think if he, if he scores, I think he could go on a little run, Redmond up there because I do quite like him up there. But I agree with Jack. I don't think it's long term. I hate to mention VAR, but I want to get your thoughts on it because there was a couple of questions in that first half. Um, obviously, we're one nil up, and there was there was two incidences, um, both on Gineppo, actually. Uh, Timo Werner, the first one, and N'Golo Kante, the second one. Similar incidents in the sense that um, both of those Chelsea players kind of caught Gineppo late, studs up, didn't look particularly nice. The Werner one for me, I didn't really see too much um, in it that would suggest red card, but the Kante one, for sure, that didn't look good. Um, Over the top, studs up. Gineppo was sent off last season versus Newcastle. Were Chelsea fortunate, Jack, on Saturday to keep Kante, Werner on the pitch? Um, it's a difficult one. I think when you see slow-mos and you see screenshots, a lot of tackles look like red card now. And there's a couple of screenshots going around Twitter showing that Werner one. If you look at it as a still image, it looks like the horror tackle. But if you watch it in the game, it's yeah. a tiny tap on his leg and definitely not a red card. The Cantu one, I agree with you, was one that was more dangerous because he completely did overrun it and the leg was there and it could have been a lot worse. So I think, again, I don't think it was a nailed on red card, but because of the decisions that have gone against us over you know recent weeks and months, especially like that, Gineppo sending off against Newcastle which wasn't too dissimilar and he got a red card for it I think then we maybe can feel a bit aggrieved but in total in general I don't think they were nailed on straight reds Kante was a bit more lucky of the two yeah so that Gineppo one last season I think it was the first instance I can remember of a referee going over to a pitch side monitor um, Mm. and then bringing back the red card Um, Mainstone you agree with Jack there I mean they, they did the ref didn't go to the monitor so he didn't look at it. They didn't, I think they checked it, but they were fine with it. So 
Um, either of the two red cards for you? I think Kante's is. Yeah. I I had a conversation with friend of the pod, Mark Barnard, um, yesterday <laughs> Shout after out, the game, um, who's a Chelsea fan, a big Chelsea fan, and, and he actually agreed as well. He, he said Kante was lucky to stay on the pitch. Um, looking back on it, Jack's completely right. The more you slow it down, the worse it looks. Um, but I, I do honestly believe that if if that was a Southampton player, I think that gives, gets given as a free kick and potentially a red card. I honestly do, because he, by the letter of the law, what they go on now, he wasn't in control and it is dangerous. It, mm-hmm. The contact that he made on his leg was studs up and it was dangerous. So I think there, there was every reason for it to be a red card. Um, again, I don't want to see people get sent off, so I'm, I'm not like shooing for it to be, to be a red card to Kante, but... It's nice not to have the main VAR talking point of the week because the Liverpool penalty one was was just as bad. How that's not a red card. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for me, do you think? Just thinking about it now, I need to go back and watch it and see. But I don't really remember there being like a big reaction from Southampton players, and I just wonder whether like other teams make more of a thing and ask the question more mm-hmm. of the referee in these types of situations, and maybe maybe that's a small contributing factor to why we don't seem to get these VAR decisions as much as other teams do because like you don't want to see it you don't want to te- you don't see players going up to referees and uh, because they shouldn't really but ultimately they're asking the question and they're getting more decisions like do you think there's anything to that potentially there's one one incident that just came to mind as you said that when Shea Adams got booted in the head by Craig Dawson <laughs> against West Ham and again completely accidental but a lot of players there would surround the referee if it, you know, Shane make him got, go to the monitor, like say, go yeah. to like just just tell him just, to go to the monitor and it's like you put it. pressure on him, exactly. Shay Adams got up, you know, rubbed his head a little bit and jogged it off, and no one really said anything. And then you watched it back and you thought, hang on a minute, he's literally you know, booted him on the side of the head. So potentially, there is something in that, and we need to be a bit more streetwise. And I agree with Mainstone if that was Romeo tackling Kante yesterday, I think Chelsea players probably would surround the ref. Mm-hmm. Potential yeah. red card, 12 well, game back. Um, Romeo on Jorginho, he would have gone down. He would have <laughs> got, I, I love Jorginho, I think he's a great footballer, but he, he's one of those that would play the system, wouldn't he, if he got launched into by Romeo like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, anything to mention about their penalty? Um, about the Stonewall, as you can get, I think. Uh, unfortunately, that's three against us now in four league games and five on the season. Our record for conceding penalties in a single season is six. So plenty of time for us to at least match that, unfortunately. Poor from Danny Ings, wasn't it, really? I mean, they took a short corner, real striker's tackle, um, and just very, very deflating in that moment, a few minutes after half-time. Nothing nothing to argue for the penalty, though, Jack. Nothing at all. Typical striker's tackle, and it's a shame it was on Mason Mount. Well, maybe it was a good thing it was on Mason yeah. Mount. Pompey lad. <laughs> bit but harder he, next time. Yeah, a bit harder next time, to be fair. But he... he Unfortunately, was the best player on the pitch. I think he was really, really good and he was causing lots of problems. But yeah, on that tackle, it was a complete heads gone moment from Ings and can't be doing that. Cannot be doing that. No. I mean, the good thing I would say, um, following that, it really, really felt like to me, like this now is a 40-minute test of our character. Mm. And that's something we've called into question a, a lot on this podcast in recent weeks, um, just because we have been throwing away points, conceding goals left, right and centre. Um, but I can honestly say while our opening goal came against the run of play and you expected Chelsea to kick on after they equalised they never really did I can't really remember Alex McCarthy having too much to do um, 
other than the penalty. And it was actually us that went closest to winning it. Vestergaard's header coming back off the bar around the 17-minute mark. We really are so much more dangerous, actually, with um, from set pieces uh, with Vestergaard in the team. Don't know how much he, he knew about that. It kind of got flashed across by Redmond, came off Vestergaard and... Just, just didn't go for us there. But, but Chelsea didn't create much in the second half, I don't think. Um, and, and we looked much more defensively solid. And that was that was a really positive sign for me. Yeah, it was. I think Tuchel summed it up, didn't he, in his interview. And he was saying that Chelsea were good all over the pitch apart from that final 20 metres. And that was when our defence were on top and we didn't allow them any space. Hudson-Odoi got subbed on, then subbed off. So he obviously wasn't happy with how Chelsea were playing. I think that's testament for the way we set up. Players like Salas who were brilliant and didn't give didn't give the Chelsea attackers many much space at all. Ralph's been criticised for for potentially a lack of a plan B. Do you do you think that we saw a plan B on Saturday? That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when's the time do we start thinking right when we're one and two got two nil up in games? Do we keep playing the expansive, high press, high energy football? Or do we revert to something a little bit more like that system um, that we played yesterday just to kind of shut up shop? Again, we might not want to see it all the time, um, but I think in those games, I'd much rather it than have the potential to drop more points from winning positions because we need the points, don't we? I, I hate to mention it, but you've, you've just brought it up and I have to say it. 18 points now dropped from winning positions in the Premier League this season, more than any other team, obviously. Um, I know it's pretty unrealistic to hold on to every lead you get over the course of a season, but just say we did close out those games in which we were ahead. We'd be second, second in the table um, behind Manchester City. So, um, yeah, sums it up. sums it up really, doesn't it? Four straight away games next, starting with Leeds on Tuesday, then Everton, Sheffield United and Man City. I know our home form is better this season than it was last, but I still like us going away from home. I still think we're dangerous away from home and make that may be famous last words but Leeds could be a bit of a slugfest they are all about the pressing as well they're a lot of energy they're all over the pitch um, they concede a lot of goals but they score a lot too with the quick turnaround from Saturday to Tuesday are you expecting to see changes Mainstone in that team I think obviously Ralph said that Armstrong looks likely to be returning so he comes straight back into the team yeah, I think Armstrong is one of our most important players. I think if he's fit, I, I keep reading lots about um, Ralph saying that Armstrong's just at the point in his career where he can no longer play three games in a week or go back to back to back with games. So I think we may start seeing a lot more of him playing two, resting in one, playing two, resting in one, um, especially maybe coming up to the um, Bournemouth away game in the FA Cup can see that rotation starting again but yeah I think Armstrong hopefully back in um, but it's hard it's a hard one isn't it because it's just the right back issue like who do we play right back if if Kyle Walker-Peters is there then yeah we can just go back to normal 4-2-2-2 crack on Armstrong back in but having not having that viable right back replacement it does mean that we do have to change the shape I think slightly. Do you Jack, do you want to see Bednarak's done enough there and Salasu obviously has done enough to keep their places? So do you want to see those four with Vestergaard and Bertrand um, on Tuesday? If everyone's fit and available to play on Tuesday that played on Saturday, I would stick with that. I think Bednarak did a decent job at right back. It was a bit of a fluid formation, but I think he's not as 
slow as Jack Stevens and doesn't get as exposed as Jack Stevens there. And obviously Kane Ramsey's not ready to play. So I think he's our best option to play right back. I wouldn't, I don't think we should change our formation too much. I think we should stick to what we're good at and try to continue to play the way we have had success. So yeah, I'd, I'd stick with Jan Bednarak at right back and, you know, more, more of Salisu the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gents, thank you very much for joining me today um we will catch up again on tuesday after the leeds game uh, i would just like to say before we go please um if you get the opportunity check out our newsletter games gone that comes out on wednesdays um it might be thursday this week just with our game on tuesday night um no promises on when that will be dropping into your inbox because uh, it's going to be a busy one um but check it out it's mainly saints content but there's a few other little bits and pieces from the football world as well you can sign up by going onto our Twitter or our Instagram, the link is there. Um, but much appreciated. Mainstone, Jack, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Ray. Nice one, lads. Speak to you on uh, Tuesday. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Speak to you Tuesday. Tuesday.